Hello and welcome to the QA Therapy Podcast. Are you looking to improve your overall testing and quality practices? My name is Sergio Freire and I'm a solution architect and a testing advocate at X-Ray. And my name is Cristiano Cunha and I'm also a solution architect and test advocate. And we'll be your hosts and QA therapists throughout this series. In this podcast, we're going to tackle some of the most common testing and quality challenges that we all face in our teams. So if this sounds good to you, keep on listening. In this episode, we will talk about testing in DevOps. Testing in DevOps, you say, yes, you heard it right. To assist us on this topic, we have a special guest with us, so please stay tuned. Let's start what, with uh, what has bring us here. What are the, the what are you feeling that um, makes you come to this therapy? So, do your <laughs> team knows what DevOps really stands for, or why it's important to make or try this approach, or have you still feeling that uh, you are see different roles within the team working solo with very few pollination at work? Or even do you hear things like, let's automate everything? Or on the other way, do you have difficulty in understanding how to include testing in the pipeline? You can also have uh, the feeling that it's hard to push something to production, even if you have already implemented it and testing in your local environment. Does your team see testing in production as something that uh, they sh they that should not be done? Or do you feel that your team does not understand the difference, the different ways of testing in production? Or even do you see some team members that are lost where uh, in about where to fit testing in a DevOps environment? So what may be the problem here? All these are symptoms that appear when a shift towards DevOps is ongoing without being properly understood. What DevOps means, what value it brings to the table, all, all of those changes, the way we work within teams, my role and our roles as testers and quality seekers, how to fit it in testing in DevOps. Let's dive a bit into this topic. It's time for diagnosis and prescription. And today we have here with us um, Lisa Crispin, our expert QA therapist, to assist on diagnosis and prescription on these symptoms related to DevOps. Everyone in the testing field uh, knows Lisa. She has written several books about testing, and she also uh, is also keen on Agile and especially on the DevOps uh, topic. Besides, she is quite helpful for the whole testing community. Welcome, Lisa. It's great to have you here. Are you comfortable in your QA therapy couch? <laughs> I'm actually sitting on a football. That's a that's good therapy too. But thank you, Christiana and Sergio. It's great to it's great to be here. Quite an honor to be invited as a guest therapist. <laughs> it's also great to have you here, Lisa. Yeah, we we wanted to start with a with a bang, so we are doing it. <laughs> so let's let's start so, with the first question. Yeah, let's start with the first question. Yes. Um, so I know that. Um, we could be hours talking about DevOps, but let's perhaps uh, start with what DevOps means. In your perspective, what what do you 
What do you think it means, DevOps, Lisa? Yeah, I was puzzled by this term for a while too because uh, the term DevOps was coined by Patrick Dubois in 2009, I believe. And before that, um, you know, I was working on a very a team that started as complete chaos and and over the years became high performing by learning good practices and trying to continually improve. And the truth was that by after a few years, we had a deployable, releasable build artifact we could put into production anytime we wanted. We did not release every day because our business stakeholders preferred it every two weeks because our customers didn't want too much change at once. But we were already using the the techniques that people use today, although they were more rudimentary and there were fewer tools for it. Things like release feature toggles or feature flags and yeah. you know hiding those features from customers until we were ready to turn them on. And we didn't have a word for this uh, ourselves on that team. <laughs> and then uh, Dave Farley and Jess Humble wrote their book, Continuous Delivery. And I was like, oh, there's a word. And I read that book and was really surprised. It was pretty much all about testing. They asked me, they actually asked me to review the book as a technical reviewer before they published it. And I was like, well, I can't review a book. That's like operation stuff. I, you know, of course I worked together with the, person on my small team who did the sysadmin work and I'd done a lot of sysadmin work and, and I could I could get to log files, I could deploy to production, but it wasn't my area of expertise. And they're like, no, no, we really want you to read it. And after I read it, it's like, oh yeah, because it's a book about testing. And so we yeah. had that term, continuous delivery, it made a lot of sense. So it's let's let's put tiny changes in production really frequently to reduce our risk. And then the term DevOps came around and I'm like, well what's this? I've been on an agile team since 2000. And of course, we have the operations people included on our team. But, you know, I was working for a small startups. And what I didn't know was that a lot of big enterprise companies, yeah, we're going to do the agile thing. We'll make cross-functional teams. But they didn't include the operations specialists. And so they were throwing build artifacts over the wall to operations and say, okay, you release it. You take care of it. We're moving on to the next feature. And that was terrible. And so... I really have embraced this idea of, yes, we need to make sure that we include include that. And it's more about building the DevOps culture. So exactly. uh, I was really lucky in my last uh, full-time job that that organization did a great job of building the DevOps culture. So an example is always good. So I'll, as a therapist, I'll provide an example. So we had platform teams <laughs> that were, oh, Words happening on my computer. We had platform teams that were responsible for building the infrastructure, you know, building the runway for, yeah. for the feature teams to use. And people from the SRE site reliability engineers from the platform teams, one would be embedded in each feature team. And they would help us, you know, here's, we're going to use this new uh, production pipeline tool. We're going to yeah. change from this one to that one, and we're going to help you. We're going to work together with you. You help us create a testing strategy, which is where I could contribute, and we're going to test it and make sure it's good, and then we're going to transition over to it, and then you're going to take care of it because now you know how to use it and configure it, and you can make all the changes. Conversely, and this is, what I thought, the best thing, they would take developers from feature teams and embed them on the platform team because what's the platform team doing? They're writing infrastructure as code. They need to yep. do a good job of writing code. 
And so these expert developers join their teams, not always permanently, but usually temporarily, and help them do a better job of taking care of their code, learning the good practices. And, and I just think that's a great example. I mean, to me, that this is what a DevOps culture should be. And I, as a tester, you know, if I wanted to talk to anyone on the on the platform teams, whether it's an engineer, or manager, whoever, they were always happy to talk to me. Let's book a meeting. Let's. They would offer help. Oh, we're just gonna we're gonna try to use Datadog more. You, anyone on your team? I'll have this 30-minute meeting slot every week. Or if we need more time, we'll take more time. You just join me and bring me whatever problems you have. And you know, that's just that collaboration. That's the magic. Yeah, I, I just um, you, your words really resonate what, uh, with with me. Uh, I share my experience also with my migration for from um, as that from uh, that to SRE, and I feel the same things. And do you think that the terms DevOps actually can hinder uh, the the will of the tester of being involved because it's not there and or because they don't understand it, um, they feel that they have nothing to, to do with it. Because we, I see sometimes that the tester is not that much involved. Mm -hmm. um, I think that some testers are sort of scared off by it. Um, yeah. They think they, especially they hear the word ops and, um, you know, a lot of testers haven't had the, the good fortune to get to work together with operations specialists and, and you know, kind of the history of operations as you know using the command line interface and, and working <laughs> yeah. in unix and all those cryptic commands that we need to use um and although that's changed a lot now we have these really nice uis to do things in um and yeah. configuration is automated and a lot easier but and i don't think that the operation specialist has necessarily invited testers to help them in all cases so yes uh and I, you know, it's cool. It's so cool that you made the transition from SDET to SRE. I had a, I was inspired by Abby Bangser, who also has done that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, she still considers herself a tester, but she works as an SRE. And I really wanted to do that too. And, and I realized though, I personally couldn't do that because, you know, I was a programmer back in the day, but I don't, I don't really like writing code anymore. <laughs> I like pairing yeah. with people who are writing code. And asking yes. the questions and looking at the patterns and and their practice, you know, what they're doing, and I can help them prevent bugs that way. But writing code on my own, and I feel like to actually be an SRE, yes, you need to write code. Um, but at the same time, without needing to write code, like I say, I can pair with people. I can help them create test strategies. I can help them do the testing. Uh, it's just opening kind of opening your mindset to say, well, this is something I need to learn and my great testing skills, asking questions, identifying risks, helping people That's think it, brainstorm yeah. about risks, spotting patterns, anomalies. We, we look at our dashboards. When I worked with cross-functional teams, it's often the testers who notice something funny has happened in production. This is not a normal pattern. Often the developers exactly. don't notice it, the testers notice it first. So. There's just so much we can contribute there, and um, and you know I won't even get into testing and production, but that's another area. Um, <laughs> but you know that's what I've tried to do for the past several years is educate myself, and then try to help other people realize you know there are a lot of resources out there, so many blog posts, videos, books, podcasts, uh, oh, webinars, courses yeah. <laughs> that we can use to to learn and 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 
we just need to be able to communicate with these other specialists. That's what it's all about. So learn the terminology, learning the purpose of, of all these different activities, and then we can collaborate and, and add value. Uh, giving just um, an additional thought, do, do you think in general there is this lack of understanding of uh, what DevOps really is across teams? Do you see that? Yeah, I mean, it's like the word agile, you know, <laughs> it's become loaded <laughs> with definitions that don't make any sense. Uh, people have a DevOps teams, they have DevOps engineers, and it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Either you're a developer exactly. specialist or you're an ops specialist, you're not both. Uh, but you do have that combination, you know, it's the T-shaped skill thing. And, yeah. and I don't think Patrick when he coined that term, I think he was trying to just show we need to work together. I don't think he was saying we need to have a new person or a new team yeah, exactly. and this is what their yeah. title is. Or but, a new role. Know, <laughs> it's just yeah. people love, we humans seem to love labels and we adopt them and, you know, DevOps, maybe, maybe, maybe just like, you know, a lot of teams say, oh, we're doing, we're doing standups every day and we're releasing the production every two weeks and we use Jira, so we're agile. So other some people might say, well, we've got Datadog and um, you know we've got a deployment pipeline, so we're DevOps. Yeah, got a fan in Prometheus. <laughs> and yeah, we are, we are DevOps for sure. <laughs> no, that, that's that, that's true. But giving all of that, what are the what why why do you feel that you should try DevOps? Do you have any tips on how to start from? I, it's you know Katrina Kalki has a wonderful book, a practical guide to testing in DevOps, available on LeanPub, and you can even buy it for free. She doesn't she doesn't mind. I'm sure she'd rather have money for it. But the book has a big section on building relationships, and I think that's what it's I think that's the key, and that's really what's worked for me. Um, you know, building relationships within your team, but also outside your team, and so oh yeah, you know I'm a shy person. We're, you know we're all a bunch of introverts in software development. Um, but when I started a new job, I try to, um, cause I know I'm going to be interested. I find out who, you know, who are the people on these teams? And then I just contact them and say, Hey, you know, could I have a 30 minute meeting with you? And, you know, if that goes well, I'll say, Hey, could we do this every couple weeks? And it's so interesting. Cause like at my last job, I had a, I set up a, uh, one-on-ones with one of the managers of one of the platform teams. And he's very interested in agile and testing and stuff too. So we had a lot of common interests. And he started telling me about this new tool they were gonna use for the deployment pipelines. And um, so I had that in my mind. And then uh, then on my team, it's like, oh, we're gonna transition to use this new tool. Lisa, could you help us create a test strategy? And I mean, that was a bit scary, but it's like, well, I've already talked to Buck about about this tool. And so I set up another meeting with him and I said, oh, you know, what are the risks involved in transitioning to this new tool? What should we be looking for? What should we be sure to test? What are the highest priority things that we need to make sure they work? What don't we need to worry about? And he gave me so much information and I wouldn't, because I'd taken the trouble to find out who's on these teams and who can I talk to and who, who would be interested in talking to me. Now they're, they're ready to help me. And uh, yeah. and so I could really take that back to to the developer I was working with and the SRE I was working with to say, okay, 
here are some of the risks that we really need to look out for. We created our testing strategy. We created some some exploratory testing charters and and you know some little few automated tests that we could do and um, it, it just made all the difference. Where otherwise I would have just said, "What? I had never used that tool before. I don't I don't have any idea what we should." Yeah. <laughs> so it's built on those yeah. relationships. That's what's important. Communication and collaboration. You know, I, I was talking with Christine Wiedemann yesterday. She's a, a very uh, experienced testing practitioner and, and a, a leader. You know, she's she's been working at the, even at the executive level, but managing software teams and testers. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're talking about the changing role of testers. And this is something that Janet Gregory, my co-author, and I talk about a lot too, of people talk, what skills do testers need? You know, people mm -hmm. talk about, oh, well, we need to automate tests and we need exploratory testing. And those are all good skills. But the basic things we need are communication so that we can collaborate. And yeah. uh, we need to be facilitators, you know, to help people, like I said, brainstorm about risks or think about what we need to improve. What's the biggest thing in the way of our of the quality we want to achieve? We need to have coaching skills to help people. We need to mm -hmm. have consulting skills to to help the non-testers yeah. on our team get those testing skills because as Janet and I have been, been advocating for a couple of decades now, it's the whole team that needs to take responsibility for all these things, whether it's quality and testing, whether it's DevOps, however you want to define that. We all need to be yeah. involved. We all need to communicate. And those skills are so important. And they're often overlooked, you know. People will send somebody to a class on, you know, selenium or a class on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They they <laughs> many yeah. people start with learning selenium java and selenium and that's it mm. <laughs> but let me let me let me take the this topic of skills and uh, because i think it's really important and you mentioned uh, collaboration building relations and it's deeply important uh, also in my perspective but now that we have DevOps, when we have this uh, pipelines infrastructure as code and a bunch of tools to assist um, in in this whole uh, build and delivery process and uh, operation and maintenance. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think uh, um, as testers, do we need also to improve other skills beyond the ones that you mentioned? Let's say more technical skills. You know, because we need to communicate, we need to we need to speak the language a little bit, right? Um, so a lot of times, you know, whenever I do a workshop on you know testing and DevOps or testing and continuous delivery, I always start by, well, what is continuous delivery? What is DevOps? What's continuous deployment? Why is it different? What's a pipeline? Um, and just having those having those um, the vocabulary to talk. And then I think it's really important, especially now in our remote world where so many of us are working remotely, we need a we need visual tools to help us have those conversations. And so, for example, um, you know, when teams are struggling with their cycle time, they're not getting things out to production as fast as they would like to. Well, let's visualize that. Um, I, I like Abby Bangzer's pipeline exercise where let's you know let's take all the all the steps or all the stages from when I commit a change to production as a developer on the team to Don't when that gets out to product or when I commit a change to the repo and it gets to production 
what happens in between? And some of those things are automated or maybe none of those things are automated. It's still your pipeline. And then laying that out visually, either if you're co-located with cards on a table or on a virtual whiteboard with sticky note, virtual sticky notes, where are now we can see where are bar, where are our, our bottlenecks? What where's the biggest thing that we can start working on to speed up this process and shorten our cycle time? We need to be able not only to deploy releases to production, new changes, but we need to but deploy fixes really fast sometimes. So it's really, really important. So that's just an example. If we just sat around and talked about it, we, we wouldn't get very far. But when we see yeah. it, it helps us think think outside the box, think laterally, not not just think logically step by step, but be creative. What can we do to make changes here? And, and it also helps us understand it better. Um, I mean, people use things like value stream maps or wordly maps, wordly maps. Um, those are so powerful because for one thing, it helps our brains work better. I mean, I've learned brain science from people like Linda Rising and, and um, you know, moving things around, even on your computer screen, uh, using visuals, drawing, those all help us think better. Yeah, the, about the relations, where, where are the blockers, yeah. where, where are the potential risks, for example. And then like, uh, you know, talk about risks. Things like risk storming, Baron Van Dalla's risk storming using test sphere cards. You don't have to use test sphere cards, but just, well, let's think of, let's pick our top six quality aspects, because I learned this from Joao Provenza, that <laughs> we have the paradox of choice. If we yeah. try to think about if more than half a dozen choices, we get frozen. We can't move forward. So let's pick our top six quality attributes. Think about what are the biggest risks around those top six aspects of quality that we want to deliver? And now how can we mitigate those risks? What, what are all the techniques and heuristics and things that we can use? And so again, a visual activity. So I think it's really important for testers to learn, like they are facilitation skills and, and learning, you know, we have to try to learn how to influence people too, which is really hard um, because people, think what they think and they don't even know why they decided that and and getting them to think in a different way can be hard but just getting people let's try an experiment let's try this technique and see if it helps us solve our problem or helps us move forward um so we have to we have to you know hopefully we all work in a psychologically safe environment where we're not afraid to suggest things and we're not afraid to fail but it still takes courage to get outside your comfort zone and get your teams like let's take 30 minutes and try you know, whatever it is, example That's mapping or, you know. Let's reflect a bit, try to see and work thing on, on, on this problem together because sometimes we try to solve a, a huge problem by ourselves and it's, mm -hmm. it can be impossible to tackle. And the, other, the, other, the other thing we can do is, again, takes a little courage outside our comfort zone, uh, especially because some organizational cultures don't have this built in yet is being able to pair with people or work in an ensemble with people, you know, mm -hmm. so, you know, set up a session, like, oh, let's take 30 minutes and, and could somebody join my Zoom room and we, we need to test this new pipeline tool and could some people volunteer to get together and do this. And so now you've got a bunch of different people, we've got good diversity, people with different skills, and in 30 minutes you can really 
make a lot of progress to see if things are working well or you've got a lot of problems. So, or, or just pairing up with somebody. Lisey Hawk lately has been, uh, she's, she started a new job about six months ago and uh, she's been posting on Twitter every now and then like, oh, today I paired with, you know, a developer or whoever it was and we learned or we discovered this new problem and we had this surprise. Yes. Surprises may not, they might not be good surprises, <laughs> but you need to learn well, about unexpected, it. Unexpected at least, yeah. You learn about it by getting together, but it takes, if if your team's not already comfortable with pairing and, and working in an ensemble, that could be hard to suggest, but, but you could just say, hey, you know, uh, can you take 10 minutes and help me with this configuration? I'm not sure how it should work or, uh, you know, little baby steps to introduce yeah. new ideas. It, one, For sure. one one thing that um, uh, I would also like to ask is about, let's say we the, we obviously we have a, uh, automation playing also um, a key part of because we stick this uh, fast feedback loops. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, sometimes people may think that okay, testing in DevOps is just test automation scripts running on the pipeline. But mm, yep. it's it's much more than uh, that, right, Lisa? Where does test fit into this DevOps and the infinite loop? That well, I'm making this question. I know that you have a a great infinite loop with all this explained. But if you want to briefly do a well, a you know, Dan Ashby a few years ago he took the DevOps loop and said we test here, we test here, we test here, and he called it the continuous testing loop, which is a perfect word for it. But then continuous testing got co-opted as the word for automated test scripts in a, in CI and in continuous in CI, integration. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's part of it. <laughs> so that's why Janet and I, Janet had the idea. Let's use the word holistic because it's not it's not already branded to mean something else. <laughs> and we just want people to think about the different stages of things around that DevOps loop and where what kind of testing that we do. And um, you know, when we deploy to when we deploy, when we get to that deploy part, maybe we're deploying to a test environment. And so maybe now we can do some exploratory testing as well as running our automated tests. Um, or we might be deploying to production using feature toggle or some dark launches, some technique to hide it from customers and doing testing in production. And then and then we're we're we've already you know in our build phase or even our planning phase we decided what data do we want to capture uh in our in our log data what events what data what's in, what well we want to capture everything if we can and use our wonderful technology we have nowadays to look at that data because it's a huge amount of data and interpret it you know, what do we want to have on our monitoring dashboards? What do we think we might need to solve problems in production? So, you know, how can we enable our observability? So then when we get on the right side of that loop, we're, um, now we're looking at that data. Act, and that's a problem, I, you know, a lot of teams I've been on, we all get heads down, building the next thing, and we're not looking at the monitors. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're it's not easy. looking at the alerts coming into Slack. People like to ship th things, but then they tend to forget about. Yeah, and so we have, to, we have to make those working agreements and decide when there's when there's a failure in their pipeline, when there's a problem in production, how are we going to respond to it? Who's who's going to take responsibility for making sure it gets looked at and and fixed as quickly as it can? 
and then you know as we come back around towards the left side of the loop what have we learned from from how this is behaving in production as well as test environments and so how that feed changes where do we need to focus our testing in a different way do we need to change how something behaves to make to solve the customer's problems do we, mm -hmm. do we need to capture more data you know the worst thing is is knowing you have a problem in production but you don't have the telemetry to tell you about it so now you've got an instrument add instrumentation to your code and redeploy ah uh, <laughs> but Can't wait to happen again right yeah yeah but you know, <laughs> janet and i just wrote a blog post on le the learning and experimenting part of you know let's pick one or two things where we want to improve or, or change and design an experiment around it have a hypothesis have some way to measure success for our team and have hmm. as so as we as we build something new we can incorporate yeah. that experiment continuous learning is is really really something important mm -hmm. yeah yeah and Do again you... it's just a visual model it's just a thinking tool to help us have good conversations it's you know it's a tool yeah. not a rule it's it's just something to help guide us and and again i'm such a fan of visuals yeah for sure because uh, it it's um it materializes what you think and you can share it with others so yeah it's, it's really yeah. powerful instead of just thinking in your head and sometimes you cannot cannot share it but let me just uh take one of the things that you have said um and and one of, of, from my experience i saw that um we have transitioned from agile to devops and the biggest impact uh, the, the biggest change that i saw in my team was uh, when we had to support production because before we didn't and now we had mm -hmm. a 24 yeah. hour support production that was the trigger that made all of my team start to worrying about what's happening in production what performance that we need to have because i don't want to be waked up at the middle of the night have you seen uh, those triggers in in your teams or in your experience or are, well, are they yeah, the same I mean, you know change is hard uh and if people don't feel pain, they're not going to be very motivated to change. And it's just like, you know, test, yeah. it's just like test automation. Yeah. When I joined teams that didn't have any automated tests, um, rather than be the tester who does all the horrible soul crushing automated manual regression testing, uh, with the support of management, with the manager, yeah. here are all of our sure. regression test scripts divided up amongst everybody in the team suddenly everyone's very interested in automating those checks <laughs> and, and that's the same with supporting your your code in production yeah. you're feeling that customer pain directly i i have worked a lot in customer support uh and production support and so i have felt that customer pain and i think it's really useful <laughs> it I, I think too motivating yeah. and you know it helps the team more accountable and it's a faster feedback loop instead of yeah somebody on another team the bug gets reported in production it gets put in jira and then you know maybe weeks later it comes into the backlog and they look at it they don't really remember writing that code yeah, yeah so and you know what i've found on the teams that that took responsibility they get really you know nobody really wants to have to be the dev on that well but they really get engaged in it you know they really care yeah, and I think it does make them more conscious of yeah, let's use test let's let's embrace test driven development because that's that's been shown to prevent like eighty percent of bugs. Why wouldn't we do that? 
um, let's use, you know, let's use a better, let's use a static analysis tool to make sure that our code is meeting the standards that we've set for ourselves. Uh, just so many things that you can do, these good good core practices and 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 feeling the customer pain so directly. Uh, and, and also knowing, you know, like the last place I worked when there was an incident in productions, the team that who's, I mean, it wasn't blaming, but the team whose change caused that, they had to figure out how much did it cost the company in lost revenue. Oh, yeah. oh. and yeah, that, that's you know, powerful. That is, you know, it's like, wow, it is really important. Yeah. And so caring for our product in production, you know, it makes us love the product more and put more love into it and, and exactly. love our customers more. So I think it's totally positive. And I've just, you know, I've never been on a team where that didn't work well. But teams I've been on where the developers were isolated, there was a separate team to handle production yeah. issues. Things don't get better. No, for yeah. sure, for sure. <laughs> I, I remember some teams where he, besides that, you have like a PowerPoint uh, file being done to pass the report from one side to the other. And someone was using a smuffer, changing the colors of the lights in the smuffer to say, well, this is like yellow, this is red. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Someone yeah. would then go to the PowerPoint and change. No, 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 this is not red. Put just yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Arguing about what color, yeah. yeah. Only the reds are bad, the rest. But that, those visuals can be powerful. And, you know, again, a lot of my experiences with small startups, so it's easier to, to do those. But I remember back this team that I was on from 2003, when we started with complete chaos and we, you know, we couldn't get a, a green build in, a, in two weeks. Um, we started because we wanted the executives to understand what was happening, right? And so our scrum master put together this calendar, very simple. And you talk, talk about red and green and, and orange. Yeah. And so every day we, that we had at least one good build that, you know, our CI went all the way to success. That would be green and then red if we had a test failure and we didn't solve it all day which was our, which as we had a working agreement that was our highest priority after a production issue or production yeah. down we would we would fix the build and then yellow if something happened like the server went down for some you know the machine itself overheated <laughs> something beyond <laughs> our control uh and it was surprising to me that the top managers they looked at that and if there were two or three days in a row with their red, they would come over and say, what's going on? What? Yeah. And it makes them understand the importance of testing. It makes them understand the importance of, of all this infrastructure. And so, like I say, anything, that, but, but it has to be meaningful. It can't be somebody arguing over whether it should be <laughs> orange or green or red. Yes. Uh, people have to be yeah, honest to. about it. <laughs> And that could have been automated too, of course, but this was back in the day when we didn't have so many cool tools to hook up, cool. you know, being able <laughs> yeah. to hook a, a much later team, we were ignoring the, the team was just not noticing when the deployment pipeline failed. And so we got together, it's like, okay, let's brainstorm. What can we do to, to, to make sure we take care of this? Uh, and we decided to hook up a blue, this was most of the team was in, in an office. So we hooked up a blue police light to the build. Oh, that caught everybody's attention. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Like an ambulance one. And it's going to have to depend on it, but when, when you create a new habit, something like that can really help.
yeah yeah for sure and and looking now a little bit more on this fast uh, feedback loops and everything that happens in, in in devops we have now those manual or exploratory testing mm -hmm. that we need to continue to do so how right. can you fit that on this fast loop do you want to well yeah that, stop everyone that's a, that's a great question and when we, you know when we draw out our pipelines when we remember to include the things that are uh, what Janet and I prefer to call it human centric. Um, some things that can be automated are human centric. Now, sometimes things are yeah. done manually because they just haven't been automated yet. And but the things that cannot be automated, I was just at the Agile Testing Days USA last month and I went to a great, a great talk on accessibility testing. And the mm -hmm. presenter said, if any tool vendor tells you they can automate more than 30% of accessibility testing, they are lying, run away. Uh, because those things have to be done ideally by somebody with disabilities that that so, whose problems yeah. are, are being solved by those and um and so laying out our pipeline and using a different color for the the manual things can they be automated no okay now we have to use our release strategies uh feature toggles feature flags uh canary launches graduate what do they call it graduated rollout is that the right term for it my brain's not quite working. But anyway, there are a lot of different release strategies yeah. to hide things from customers until we're comfortable Blue, with green, them. Yeah. So we, hide, we just hide the feature until we're done with our exploratory testing. If we're now confident that it's going to work fine for the customers, then we flip it on. So mm -hmm. we've got the technology to do that these days, but we have to be conscientious about it. Because, yeah, you're not going to do any kind of manual exploratory testing for something you're trying to release every day or multiple times a day. And, and yeah. the other thing that, I, that I've experienced is when my, when my team, I was on the Pivotal Tracker team for several years and we decided to, we were doing every two week releases and we decided to, we wanted to do move toward continuous delivery. And so we're trying with twice a week, uh, deploys to production. Mm -hmm. And that's a really long story, but one of the things that solved our many problems, because as soon as we started doing that, we started having horrible problems in production, um, was we had two testers on the team for like 25 developers. Well, we're not going to do exploratory testing for twice weekly release. Yes, yeah, twice as much. Yeah. In that amount of time. And so what the development managers realized is, ah, we don't have an exploratory, we don't have enough exploratory testing. So they asked us testers. So first we had workshops to teach the non-testers on the teams how to do it, or at least some of the skills. And then we paired with them. So yeah, we just took, you know, rotate around pairing with the developers. And they did the exploratory testing at the story level. So you can do some manual exploratory testing just at a story yeah. level. And we created one of the developers and I created a little, you know, kind of cheat sheet of you know, make sure you do at least these things. Yeah, and speaking of cheat sheets, we, we had Elizabeth Henderson's testing heuristics cheat sheet to help give them yeah. ideas. Yeah. And it, and then we still had exploratory testing at the feature or epic level where the testers would collaborate with developers and the product owner and, and different people to come up with the exploratory test charter, charters, put them in the backlog along with the feature stories. And yeah. those would also get then um, not only by the testers, so other people joined in those and but it was just transformative. The number of problems we had in production went dramatically down when they started taking responsibility for exploratory testing at the story level. At the story level, yeah.
Lisa, time flies, but any... <laughs> and any any final thoughts or tips for for these teams trying to adopt DevOps or um just make every problem a team problem. Solve it together. And don't try to fix everything at once. You know, pick pick the biggest thing in your way. You know, when you want to get the continuous delivery. And you know, so for an example, my team, what was getting in our way was not enough exploratory testing. Okay, let's all brainstorm what we could do about that, and let's try some experiments around that, and see how they work. Um, I think one thing the one thing that's really important is is to get meaningful metrics. Like set a goal. How are you going to measure progress to that goal? A lot of people, a lot of teams set a goal, but they don't. Then they have measure. a retrospective and like, well, how's it going? Well, I feel like it's going okay. Well, feelings are important. You know, I don't yes. count them, but maybe can we look at our cycle time? Can we look at, you know, how quickly we respond to production problems or how fast our pipeline yeah, is? Sometimes we have to also show to other stakeholders that what mm -hmm. we are doing acts actually a real impact and mm -hmm. showing with numbers is different in my, in my experience. Exactly. <laughs> And be able to compare the past with the present. It's also important. Mm -hmm. That's it's so not just a feeling. It's something that is there that you can compare. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that that helps teams get on track with making improvements. Thanks for being here with us, Lisa. Uh, we'll probably talk again for another episode. As I think DevOps is picking up and challenges will be common in software development overall. And probably we'll need to reflect once again uh, about any other things that users may. Uh, I'm, may I'm so excited that you're doing this yeah. because you know it's raising people's consciousness about it and showing how it's important and it's fun and we all need to get involved. Indeed, indeed. Sharing indeed, and learning yeah. and learning together is I think is are really crucial uh, for us to, to evolve. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Lisa. You. Before ending our episode, it's time for some vitamins. We know that in general they're good for our health. In this case, we'll be talking about vitamin X, where X stands for X-ray. X-ray can be used for managing and tracking all types of testing. This includes the test automation results coming from the pipelines, along with other approaches, such as exploratory testing or even manual scripted test cases. It's crucial to give teams the flexibility they need to run the tests they want, the way they want. But it's also important to track all this in one place, accessible by all the team members not just to see the test results, but also to track their impacts on the related deliverables, such as the stories or more traditional requirements. And with X-Ray, you may link your automated test results with existing stories or requirements in Jira, right from the code, simplifying the developers and tester lives. A test fails on the pipeline, so what? What component of the system is being impacted? What feature? The decision to release or not is yours. You are able to assess how all of your testing, different test results reflect on the, on the stories, which you can group by priority, components, or even risks. There is no single perspective whenever analyzing a given software project. 
with X-ray, you can easily understand the shippable the deliverables from the perspective that matters most to you. You can also easily trace from defects to tests to their related stories and epics. Having quality-related information is key to enable informed decisions, and X-ray may, may help you on that. And we are reaching an, the end of another episode. And in here, we have saw, saw that DevOps is not a role, nor a team, nor a set of tools. DevOps is a cultural mindset together with a set of practices. The goal is to have devs and ops working closely together to make teams more efficient and have a better understanding about the whole software build and delivery process. This is also closely involves testing. By understanding that testing is not something we do just at a given moment by running some test automation scripts running on the pipelines. Testing is crucial to improve everything the team does from the ideas, the refinement and implementation. And finally, to understand how these are ultimately used or not by real users. Do not lose our upcoming episode to understand a bit more about exploratory testing and how it is so important, no matter in which context you work. So see you in our next therapy session. Happy testing. Happy testing.